Termsen, can you just come and tell us a little bit what God's been doing? Why don't you both come up here? Terrific. Hi, what's your name? I'm Julie. Julie, what, what's the Lord been doing? You don't mind. Yeah. Yeah. So just just to say, it's not war and peace, is it? No, no. Yeah, no, terrific. No, I've got it. I'm okay. Yeah. Well done. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. A few months ago, I started having panic attacks and was plagued with fear and darkness. My mind was um, plagued with destructive thoughts, and my heart was breaking as I had no peace. It came to a head a few Sundays ago when I came here sobbing and broken, calling out to the Lord to help me. Prophetic words of scales lifting off the eyes and on the mi- off the mind and healing for a broken heart brought me to the front. I knew Jesus was talking to me during the ministry. Sorry, talking to me. During the ministry time, lies, fears were cut off me and I spoke out truth and rejected the lies. I believe I was healed at that moment, and I walked out of the panic attacks a few days later. Yay! (laughs) I also believe there is more healing to come as I let God unpick the pains from past hurt. During the darkness, I could not hear or feel the Lord, but I knew he was with me because he used his church, you, or some of you, to speak to me in so many ways, prophetic pictures, words, scriptures, and a treasure hunt. You, and you didn't even know me, but the message was so specific, I knew Jesus was speaking to me. I give Jesus all the glory, but I thank you so much, those people, and you know who you are, who walked with me through the darkness. Those were lifelines for me. So I'd like to say to people, if you're not trusting Jesus with your whole life, please do. And I wish I had more in my Christian life. And I'm determined to hang on to him more and let go of the controls. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah, that's so good. Wow, what an encouragement, Julie. Thank you so much. Now, that was here in church. Um, Tamsin, you're just going to tell us something that happened at KFC, uh, not recently, but just um, a couple of months ago, I think it was. Um, and I just want to say, KFC is not where we get fried chicken. Uh, KFC is our kingdom family communities. Um, I just want to say, there's around about 300 or so adults in uh, these small communities. And I just want to say, if you're not signed up, Outside at our newcomers point, Nick Taylor, he's just signed a couple of people up from the nine o'clock service. We'd love to say all the KFCs are open. We love welcoming people. Do find your place. Uh, But Tamsin, just tell us what the Lord was doing um, at uh, one of the meetings um, a few months ago. So um, it was in about June and uh, someone shared a testimony of how they'd been suffering from depression uh, for about a year, I think. And, um, and they, they were miraculously healed and set free from that and were filled with joy ever since that healing. So yeah, that was the testimony that was shared. Um, and then... Um, she just, like, nobody sort of noticed, did they? It's just like, <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Just miraculously healed. It's awesome. Praise the Lord. Um, they, they, they just need a little bit of encouragement there, Tamsin. <laughs> Um, and that spoke to me specifically because um, I uh, got really burnt out last year from um, working as a nurse in A&E. 
And um, so since then, I'd really struggled with depression myself. Um, so um, after he shared the testimony, he prayed to release um, the healing to others. So I decided to receive that. And um, I didn't feel anything at the time. And I went home, and the next day I read in Deuteronomy 30, and it said... Um, I've said before you, life and death, blessing and cursing, choose life. So I thought, yeah, I'm going to choose life. <laughs> um, and <laughs> and um, so from then and then for the next couple of months, I really experienced such a deep joy that I'd never known before. And um, now, uh, so I've had my setbacks <laughs> and... Um, everything but having um, heard the testimony of what has happened to someone else that they've been totally healed and set free and also having experienced um, a taste of the joy for myself I know that I now have hope and faith that I'm going to receive the fullness of the healing myself as well so, so, good. so good thank you I love I'd love to ask you to pray for us. Uh, Tamsin's a, a stalwart member of the early morning revival prayer squad on Zoom on Tuesdays um, and just prays with power and authority. So I just, I just want to say, you know, should we all just hold our hands out just to receive from the Holy Spirit, even as Tamsin just prays a simple prayer over us this morning. Um, wherever we are, whatever the state of our hearts, um, we just want more of him, don't we? More of his presence and power in our lives. So, Tamsin, can you pray for us? Yeah, Father God, I thank you, Lord, that you are here right now. Thank you, Lord, that you know our hearts and that you love to meet with every one of us. And Lord, I thank you that you are good and you are faithful to your promises. And Lord, that no matter where we are, whether um, we um, need a healing or a miracle or whatever, Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you are there. Um, and I thank you that no matter whether um, it's instantaneous or in a process, I thank you, Lord, that you will do it because you have promised. And in Jesus' name, I release hope and um, freedom and joy and peace to everyone who um, may be experiencing um, despair or darkness or depression as well in Jesus. You, Lord, more of you, Lord. We thank you so much for your goodness, your love, your presence. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, Lord. We give you all the honor, all the glory. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for your wonderful, wonderful work for us. Our words could never repay. Let's use our hands to honor the Lord, to give him praise and, and glory. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We honor your presence here. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray the prayer he taught us 2,000 years ago. Let's pray it in traditional language. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I'm so pleased uh, because I'm not introducing to you visiting speakers. I'm introducing to you parishioners. And Nikki and Silla Lee um, were, have been on team at Holy Trinity Brompton in, the cent in central London for nearly 40 years. Some of you may know them, maybe not all of you, but they worked with the team there and led on and developed the marriage course and the pre-marriage course and the everything else course. Um, but I just, it's important that we celebrate what God has done because over 4 million people worldwide have participated in a marriage course that these guys wrote. Isn't that amazing? 4 million people. And they decided that their, their work was complete in London. London's all sorted now. So the Lord has sent you down to the Shire to join us in the countryside. And um, they've moved into Whiston. And they're going to tell you a bit about who they are and all of that. But I'm delighted, everybody. They're going to be speaking this morning on our Church Is series. And you're in for an absolute treat. Two grown men in their 60s walked out of the 9 o'clock service crying this morning. You don't have to cry. <laughs> but it was powerful stuff. Everybody, we give you a warmest welcome to Nikki and Silla Lee. Thanks, James. Thank you, James, very much indeed. It is absolutely wonderful to be here. Um, some of you might just know our daughter, Kirsty Goring. For many years, uh, Kirsty said she was our daughter. Now, we always introduce ourselves as Kirsty's parents, or Rick Goring, who's our son-in-law, as his parents-in-law. Uh, when we were in London, our vicar when we first started there, it was a man called Sandy Miller. And I always remember Sandy saying, if you move out of London to somewhere else in the country, make sure you're near a, a church where you, which you can support. And oh my goodness, if there was ever a church we would want to support, it is this one. It is the Chank churches. We are so excited to be here with you. And we want to say thank you, James and Lou, for being so kind to give us this opportunity um, kind of quite early on in our days of being a part of this community um, to have the opportunity to speak. But, you know, we actually have been around for a bit. We came down just as COVID hit and have been living here, but not able to be involved fully with the community of the church because we were still fully employed and, and involved in the church in London. But, um, but we know, and we know now from our own experience of being involved at Buncton Church in Wisson, but also from many other people here, what extraordinary things God is doing through you as a community, in you all. And um, we are just so excited about that. And it was actually really interesting this last um, week, um, we read the Bible in one year, and, um, and this last week we've been in Thessalonians, Paul's amazing letters to the Thessalonians, and as I was reading and we were praying about coming to speak here, 
It was so extraordinary because it was exactly what we were thinking and praying ourselves. And this is um, Paul in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3. We ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more, and the love of all of and the love all of you have for one another is increasing. And I think that's what we know about you here. And Nicky Gumbel in his commentary in the Bible in one year says that is what we all need to do is to keep growing not standing still, but growing, growing in our faith and growing in our love for one another. And you embody that totally, growing in faith and growing in love for one another. And we're so thrilled to becoming, be becoming a part of this extraordinary community. So thank you for having us. And actually, we sang amazing worship this morning. And I thought that the song, Spirit Break Out, Spirit Come Down, Heaven Come Down, that is what happens when we love one another. Jesus said, love one another as I've loved you, and then people will know, and that is heaven coming down, and that was so obvious here this morning, so it's amazing to be here. And tomorrow, Sarah and I will be celebrating an anniversary. Tomorrow, we will have been married exactly 46 and a quarter years. I know it's not an a normal anniversary to, uh, to celebrate. Now, for some of you, may, you may think that's quite a long time. But I read an article in the paper about a couple who had been married for more than 80 years. And they were called Percy and Florence. Percy was 105 by this time. Uh, Florence was 100. And, and uh, Fl Florence said the marriage had been a success. Slight understatement. <laughs> because she said... They still worked hard at it and never retired to bed on a quarrel. Uh, Percy's answer was more concise. He attributed two words to the success of their marriage. Yes, dear. <laughs> <laughs> this is what Florence said. It's not been easy, but worth every minute because he's much more than my best friend. He's the love of my life. Uh, we don't argue much these days, only when I want to watch the soaps on television, which he hates. We have had our arguments, but we work through them together. We always go to bed as friends and always make up before we go to sleep. Every night we kiss and hold hands. He can't settle down if I'm not holding his hand. Percy nods contentedly. Yes, dear, he says. <laughs> and many people today asking the question, how do we build lasting relationships? How, how do we build deep, close friendships that don't break down. Friendships, despite our inevitable differences as people, our differences of perspective and opinion, relationships that don't break down through the ways that we hurt each other, as we will inevitably will. Or to put it another way, how should we as God's people love one another? And the Bible's very practical. <laughs> it tells us how. And there's a passage in Colossians chapter 3, which we come back to again and again. And Scylla's going to read it for us. So this is Colossians chapter 3, starting at verse 12. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another... Forgive each other, 
just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in the one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom. And with gratitude in your heart, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Let's pray as we sit. Lord, we thank you so much for your word to us, that you speak through your word and by your spirit. And as St. Paul writes, let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. Would you, Lord, shape all of our relationships through your word? For Jesus' sake, amen. Just to set this passage in uh, context, in uh, Colossians chapter 3, Paul's writing to the Christians in Colossian and saying, as Christians, you have a new life in Jesus. It's a radical new start, so radical. You died with Jesus, you rose uh, with him. And then he goes on in this passage talking about how we are to live. And at the heart is three simple words, put on love. And Paul describes love not just as a feeling, but rather as something we do deliberately, as deliberately as any of us would have got dressed before we came here this morning. We are to put on love. And it was this love that caused the early church to grow so dramatically. People all around were just uh, so struck by the quality of the relationships between the Christians and in their attitude towards the others, uh, other people around them. And what's clear from what Paul writes is that this love comes from God. Notice the way that we're addressed. Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. That's you. That's us. We are beloved of God, chosen by him. And we love out of the knowledge that we are loved, out of that experience. And this love, Paul tells us, we're to put on, is the work of the Holy Spirit and is available to every single one of us when we start this new life in Jesus. And it's the Holy Spirit who changes our hearts, filling us with love for others. Uh, this morning, Sula and I, this afternoon, sorry, Sula and I want to talk very practically about what this love looks like, what it means. And we've got four points. I'm going to do two, and Scylla's going to do two. We keep it very, very balanced, very equal between us, you understand. And these practical points affect all of our relationships, whether we're married, whether we're single, it affects our relationships with our friends, with our family, at work, affect our marriage, if we are married, affect our relationships with our children or our grandchildren, if we have them, or affect us in a dating relationship. And to help you remember our four practical points, they each begin with the letter P. And uh, it may be this morning that there is one of these P's 
in particular, you sense God is speaking to you about. And it may be one relationship in particular that he's speaking to you about. Well, I want to start with the first P, and that is be proactive. And I take that from Paul's uh, instruction, clothe yourselves with kindness. A kind person is someone who discovers what another person needs and then puts themselves out to meet that need. I find in our marriage, rather than being proactive, it is so easy to do the opposite, to be reactive, to react to whatever I might find mildly or more than mildly irritating. Now, because I've got the microphone at the moment, I want to tell you about something that uh, I find slight, quite irritating in our marriage. And Now, you may well think after 46 and almost a quarter years of marriage, after I think it's 26 years of running the marriage course, three times a year, three times, uh, 26 years running the three pre-marriage course, you might think Scylla and I had managed to iron out all of the irritating things from our marriage. I'm sorry you would be disappointed. We haven't. And this particular thing um, still happens. Uh, it's, uh, in our marriage, I am always the first one to get up in the morning. And the first thing I do is I go downstairs in my dressing gown and I make Scylla a cup of tea to bring it up to her. Now, if Scylla has done the washing up the night before, she has this irritating habit of not emptying out the washing up bowl. And so by the time I come down in the morning, by now the water is cold and the grease has congealed around the edge. And it's worse than that. She leaves the washing up brush in the water. So I have to pull up the sleeves of my dressing gown. I've got to fish out this brush. I've got to start running hot water, get rid of the grease. Oh, I feel your sympathy, even as I'm talking about it. Now, I have to confess, I've talked to Scylla about it a number of times. It ha I think it's a family trait, if I'm honest. Something she's inherited. It has got better through the years. I did ask Scylla if she could think of anything I do that's irritating. <laughs> I'm rather sorry to say she didn't hesitate. She came up with quite a long list, actually. Do you know, one of the things that was near the top of her list, she said, if we are late leaving the house, which we often are, and it's, I must admit it's usually my fault, she said, you have this irritating habit on insisting on polishing your shoes, if I'm wearing leather shoes. Well, I think if you're going to turn up late, at least turn up with clean shoes. It sort of helps the situation. Scylla <laughs> doesn't quite see it like that. Relationships break down when all we do is react to each other's behavior. And being proactive is when we focus not on the other person's behavior, but we focus on their needs. Uh, we know a couple called David and Teresa, and I, I remember David talking about it. They'd been married about 30 years when we met them, and I remember David talking about a change in their marriage. He said, for the first 15 years of our marriage, I focused on Teresa's faults and my needs. He said, for the last 15 years, I have sought to focus on Teresa's faults and my needs. And I'm... Um, so much. So good that we're doing this talk together. 
the last 15 years, I've sought to focus on Teresa's needs and my faults. <laughs> and our marriage has been transformed. Now, that principle of being proactive is true, not just in marriage. It's true in every relationship, in our friendships, in our family relationships, at work. And the question we have to ask ourselves is, do I know the needs of my friend, my mother, our child, my husband or wife? Do I know their needs at an emotional level? When did I last ask them? How can I help you? How can I best support you? Uh, on the marriage course, which James mentioned earlier, um, we, we break up our talks by getting the couples to have private conversations just as a couple and we sometimes give them a little exercise to do to help them in their conversation and one of the very first exercises we do is we give them a list of 16 uh, needs or desires these are things that will make a difference to us emotionally things like a need for attention or support or affirmation or affection or comfort or security and then we, get, we ask each of them to choose the three that are most important to them, one, two, three, out of that list, and then see if they can guess what their partner has written down without looking. And um, one, one wife whose husband was called Steve said this to us after they'd done that exercise at the end of the, the session. She said, when we did that exercise, Steve put what was very important for him was affirmation. I was shocked. He'd been, in a very, he'd been a very successful partner in a very large company and had an incredibly successful career. He was an upfront type of person who I didn't think needed a lot of affirmation. And I thought, I don't believe this. I've been married to this person for 22 years. And the one thing he needed, I didn't realize. And being proactive is following the example of Jesus. Jesus, as he says, didn't come to judge us. He came to serve us. And Jesus knows our needs, every one of us. And he gave himself to meet our greatest need of all on the cross. Do you know, through all his letters in the New Testament, Paul just talks about kindness, exercising kindness in our relationships with each other, just twice. Once here in this verse in Colossians 3, once in the fruit of the Spirit, but seven times in his letters, he talks about the kindness of God towards us. And in Titus chapter 3, Paul describes the gospel like this, the kindness and the love of God our Savior appeared. The first secret of making relationships work is clothe yourselves with kindness. Be proactive. Uh, we've discovered the solution to the washing up water. Um, and that is that now Nikki mostly does the washing up after supper. I do the clearing up of everything else. The second practical way that St. Paul urges us to put on love is to be positive. Now, we all know that being around negative people is not a fun experience. As Christians, whatever our situation, we all have so much to be positive about, so much to be thankful for. 
And St. Paul, in this passage in Colossians, um, three times in three verses, he encourages us to be positive about what we have. In verse 15, he says, and be thankful. In verse 16, he says, as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And verse 17, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And when we cultivate a positive, grateful attitude, it impacts and affects all of our relationships. Positive people are encouraging people, and they look for what is best in the other person, and they are great people to be around. Many of you um, will know or have heard of someone called Nicky Gumbel. Nicky Gumbel is the pioneer of Alpha. He was vicar at um, HTB uh, when we were on the team there. And, um, but, but more than that, Nicky has been our best friend for more than 48 years or nearly 50 years now. In fact, Nicky and Nicky, it's longer because they were best friends at school from the age of 13. And we all came to faith together at university and then obviously became colleagues and have been working together and living life together for a very long time. Nikki is honestly the most encouraging person you could possibly meet. We know we've been around him for a long, long time. And Nikki and I can honestly say, personally speaking, we know for a fact, we would not have done half of what we have done in our lives if it hadn't been for Nikki Gumbel's encouragement to us. Um, when we started out doing relationship stuff, um, Nikki Gumbel said to us, right, you need to write a book called The Marriage Book about all this stuff you're talking about. And we kind of went, no, we can't do that. Anyway, it took us three years to write the book. And of course, that was quite challenging, writing a book with your husband or wife, because we had quite different ways of writing. And, um, but you know, we, we know we would not have followed through with that if it hadn't been for the encouragement of Nikki Gumbel to us. Encouragement literally means giving people courage, courage to do things that they think they can't do. And we all need that kind of encouragement. We all need courage and confidence to actually step out and what it is that God is calling us to do. And it is so important in every relationship, as Nikki has mentioned, it doesn't matter what situation you are in, we all have relationships in which um, we can speak those positive, encouraging words. Now, I want to tell you a time uh, and a relationship that I was struggling with at one point in my life. Um, it was with one of our sons. Um, some of you may even know him. He's our middle son. He's called Barney. And it was when he was 14. And um, our relationship was really not, not in very good shape. Wasn't, wasn't looking good. And I have to hold my hands up and say right now up front, the problem wasn't with him. The problem was with me. And he said to me, I, I discovered that because he said to me one day, Mom, you are always so stressed with me. Well, that brought me up short. And as I reflected, I thought, 
I think I am a bit stressed most of the time with him. Now, I'm going to excuse myself, which you should never do, but I think why I often got stressed was because I was worried, anxious about him. I was worried about where he was, who he was with, what he was up to a lot of the time. And I would say, no, you can't go there on Saturday. And the tone of voice, that is not a nice tone of voice to be around. It's so discouraging or to be critical, to, which I could be critical towards him. So we had to sit down and um, have a conversation. We had a long conversation about how I sounded towards him and how that felt for him. And, and I didn't realize my words and my tone really were not nice to be around. So I, I didn't even realize I was doing it half the time. And I, so eventually I said to him, you know, you need to prompt me when I'm being like that. I gave him permission to say, Mom, you're sounding stressed. And actually, he needed to do that a few times. And because I realized I was in a pattern of behaving and speaking um, to him. And that seriously affected our relationship. So I actually found it quite challenging to change and because we can get into kind of patterns and habits. And I had to really ask God for his help to enable me to have that change of mindset, that change to being positive, that change of the tone of voice. And I can honestly tell you over the next weeks and months that seriously transformed our relationship. And um, I, I'm very glad to tell you now, he's 37 and our relationship is great. Um, and Nikki and I know, we have found in our own relationship that the more we express appreciation to each other, the more appreciative we become of each other. That's the equation every time. And it's true for every single one of our relationships, whatever it is. The third practical way that Paul asks us to put on love is to be patient. So proactive, positive, and now patient. In verse 12, he says, clothe yourselves with patience. Bear with one another. I think we all recognize again, like with, with how it's not fun being around negative people, it, relationships are spoiled if there is a quick temper around. And as Paul actually talks about in the verses earlier before we read, he says, rid yourselves, and then this list, which is very... Um, negative, of anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. And I know, we know, that to be in a home or a workplace or in a marriage where we can't relax because we don't know where the next explosion, either explosion is coming from or the next mood, which we don't understand, is coming from. That's not nice to be around. And I know myself, again, that my temper can be shorter for when the various situations and circumstances occur. When I'm tired, not so good. When I'm anxious, um, when I'm stressed by something. And I think for many, many of us, our experience during the pandemic and all that that brought, the uncertainty particularly has caused many people to just say things and react in ways that we, we were not proud of. But you know, there is one thing above everything 
that causes a quick temper, and that is when anger is buried. Anger is sort of pushed down inside us, trying to be hidden, trying to be forgotten about, and it's unresolved. One psychologist said this, an emotion is never buried dead. It's always buried alive. Anger held inside becomes hate. But the key to patience, the key to bearing with one another comes in that um, next phrase, verse 13 in, in um, Colossians, where it, Paul says this, forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Martin Luther King said, forgiveness is not just an occasional act. It is a permanent attitude. And I think, you know, that's why Jesus in the Lord's Prayer encouraged us to pray, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And it was wonderful to say the Lord's Prayer together here today. I, I'm not very good at this, but I try to say the Lord's Prayer every day. Um, I try to remember in the shower to say the Lord's Prayer um, because it's such a good reminder to ask myself, do I need to forgive somebody today? Is anything getting buried down, pushed down, stuffed down? Or do I need to be open and forgive? Now, of course, forgiveness is very challenging. It is not easy. And it's not easy because it always costs us something. It costs us something that means we have to give up something. I think forgive, it's helpful to think you've got to give up. You've got to let go rather than hold on. And we have to give up our self-pity often, our pride, or our desire to kind of help see this other person in some way realize how we're feeling, retaliation, revenge. Many years ago, Nikki and I um, met and got to know a remarkable couple, a couple who uh, came from Northern Ireland, came to visit in our church and speak in our church, and who we got to know, a couple called Gordon and Joan Wilson. Gordon and Joan had um, three children, and um, they, they, those children grew up in the time of the sectarian troubles in Northern Ireland in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. On Remembrance Day in 1987, Gordon and his daughter Marie went to um, attend the Remembrance Day service at the Cenotaph in um, their town, Enniskillen. And on that day, there was a terrorist bomb and 12 people were killed by that bomb. And Gordon and Marie, um, the building beside where they were standing collapsed and they were trapped underneath the rubble of that building. And uh, amazingly, they were pulled out by the emergency service, services and they were taken to the local hospital. And Marie died in the hospital that day. Gordon survived. And on that day, the BBC interviewed Gordon. And this is, he, he described in that interview the last conversation he'd had with his daughter as they were buried underneath the rubble. This is what she said. She held my hand tightly 
and gripped me as hard as she could. Daddy, I love you very much. Those were her exact words to me, and those were the last words I ever heard her say. But I bear no ill will. I bear no grudge. Angry talk is not going to bring her back to life. She was a great girl. She loved her profession. She was a sweetheart. She's dead. She's in heaven, and we shall meet again. I will pray for these men tonight and every night. And an English historian, looking back on the troubles in Northern Ireland, oh, sorry, gets me every time I, I say this, wrote this, no words in more than 25 years of violence in Northern Ireland had such a powerful emotional impact. And Gordon Wilson, having lost his daughter, went on to become an absolutely key person in the peacekeeping process in Northern Ireland, seeking to see Catholics and Protestants live together in peace rather than in seeking revenge and retaliation. And Paul in Colossians says, forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. You know, however big and however difficult the forgiveness is, it will never be bigger than what Jesus has forgiven us for on the cross. And that is what we can all walk in every day. So be proactive, be positive, be patient. And then our last P is be peaceful. And by that, I mean be full of God's peace. Just after Paul has written, put on love, he says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. You see, when we're at peace on the inside, we can be at peace on the outside. When we know we're loved by God, we can love others around us. I want to finish by telling you the story of a couple called Billy and Debbie. They were in their 30s. They'd been married for eight years. They had no church involvement at all. And when Billy's dad died, he made a conscious decision to harden himself and not to let anyone get close to him because he didn't want to get hurt again in the way that he had been. And Debbie said he was bad-tempered and not much fun to be around. And then when Debbie's mother died and Debbie was very upset, Billy said Debbie hadn't been much help to him, so why should he try to help her? And instead, he started blaming her that their marriage was falling apart. Well, Billy and Debbie went to Paris to try to rekindle their love. They said they still loved each other, but they couldn't talk to each other. Debbie said, our relationship was coming to an end. Everything was just going rapidly downhill, and I couldn't fix it, and neither could Billy. And it was at that point that Billy and Debbie met some Christians who invited them to do Alpha in their home, and there were 10 or 12 of them met in someone's uh, sitting room. And after the meal they had together, uh, Peter, who was hosting it, said they were going to watch a film on the television. And Debbie thought, gosh, that sounds boring. But afterwards she said that the film and the discussion they had was really fascinating. And both Billy and Debbie were getting more and more excited by what they were hearing and talking about. And after the third week of Alpha, by which time Debbie had already committed her life to Christ, Billy sat on his bed and he said this to God, Lord, I've lived in this world for 32 years without you 
And I've just heard about you for the first time. I'm so, so sorry for all the things I've done wrong. I need you in my life. And then he described what happened. He said, as the weeks went on, I started to forgive everyone who'd ever hurt me in my life. And I felt the bitterness being lifted from my heart. Debbie said, after that, our marriage began to mend big time. It felt like we just started all over again. And all those years before were just nothing. I felt like I hadn't lived. I felt like I was opening my eyes for the very first time, seeing everything new and fresh. As for Billy, he was like a new person, more loving, more caring. I fell in love with him all over again. Billy concluded, what God has done in my life is amazing. I was the most ungentle person you've ever met. And God has come into my life and turned it around. Patience wasn't a virtue for me. I didn't have it. But now I find I rarely get angry. I don't raise my voice. I couldn't possibly have made that much of a change in myself on my own. There is only one person responsible, Jesus. It's Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Well, I don't think Billy knew it at the time, but that's really a pretty good summary of what Paul writes to the Colossians about. He says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Put on love today and every day. Shall we stand? And we want to pray and just ask that the Holy Spirit will just earth whatever it is that he's been whispering to us this morning. And as I said, it may be just one relationship in particular that he's been speaking to you about, that's been on your mind. Maybe one of those P's that he said, oh, you could do this or you could do that. Let's ask the Holy Spirit now to do this work. He's here and he comes every time. We ask him. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your word to us, the word of Christ. Thank you, as Paul says, that we should let it dwell in us richly. And we pray now, Lord, you would send your Holy Spirit. You'd come to pour your love into our hearts by your Spirit. Now receive from the Lord. Receive. And so often the Holy Spirit speaks to us with a whisper in our hearts. And it may be the Holy Spirit has been showing you some way you could be proactive in kindness towards somebody. Maybe there's somebody you need to say, how can I help you or support you? Maybe the Holy Spirit is talking to you about being positive, uh, showing appreciation or encouraging someone particular. Or it may be being patient and forgiving someone. And you know, forgiveness is primarily an act of our will. We don't, and probably won't feel like it, but we choose to forgive. And I, I want to suggest to you that 
If there's somebody God has put on your heart, you know you need to forgive. Just imagine that person standing in front of you right now. And then God's help. Just say, I choose to forgive you now. Say it silently in your heart as though you're addressing that person. I choose to forgive you now. And this may be something recent. It may be something that goes way back that the Holy Spirit has brought to mind. And let, let it go, as Silla said. Put that person into God's hands. Allow him to deal with all the consequences. And ask the Lord to fill you with love, his love for that person. You won't have it in yourself. You won't have it naturally. You need it supernaturally. Just say, come Lord, give me love. Give me love for that person. And then ask the Lord to fill you with his peace. Knowing the peace of Christ ruling in your heart. And um, I mentioned about growing in love at, right at the very beginning. And that's what Paul is encouraging. He, he sees it in the Thessalonians. And it may be that some people, one person, some people here today might think, well, I don't really feel loving towards this person, or I don't feel enough love towards this person. And, and I think God loves it when we ask him, ask him to give us his love, to give us more love, to grow in love. We can cultivate the love by asking God to fill us with his love. In Romans chapter 5, verse 5, it says, and God will pour his love into our hearts by his Holy Spirit. And I'd encourage you, do that. Ask him today to put more love into your heart for a particular person. I've done that many times over many years, and I have seen an amazing answer as God's given me beyond what I ever um, thought was reasonable or possible. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you're here by your spirit. Fill our hearts afresh with your love. Should we show our appreciation to Nikki and Scylla? Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. Amazing. Thank you. Should we, um, should we do a heart sign with our hands? Just turn around. See your brothers and sisters. You live with them now. <laughs>